0: Hello there, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Norton. Here in episode 36, I'm going to chat with Liz Gray of Organize and Thrive about her model of the three A's of having a sensitive practice. Let's get started. Have you been wanting to start your private practice, but you can't seem to take that first step? Maybe you're afraid of failure or lack confidence, or maybe the idea of running your own practice is overwhelming. I'm Cindy Norton, owner of Mountain Practice Journeys, and I help therapists and counselors to love the business side of private practice. I'll share with you practical skills and advice, along with a healthy dose of inspiration so that you can be on your way to the practice of your dreams. Put on your hiking boots and let's get going. If you haven't yet listened to episode 35, I urge you to do that. In that episode, I began my conversation with Liz about overcoming challenges as a highly sensitive therapist in private practice. Now let's continue the conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm joined again by Liz Gray of Organize and Thrive. And she's back with us today to talk about how highly sensitive therapists can overcome some of their challenges. And she has a model called the three A's of having a sensitive practice. So welcome back, Liz.
1: Thank you. I'm really excited to be here again.
0: Yeah. Well, let's just jump into it and uh, talk about these ways that um, highly sensitive therapists can can work through some of these challenges and make them strengths?
1: Absolutely. So first of all, I really love acronyms and mnemonics and things that you can easily remember. So Mm -hmm. that's part of the reason that I created this. Just really easy. AAA, right? That's all you have to remember. And this model is not necessarily something that you have to go and do and apply. It's more a way of understanding yourself. So. Basically, the three A's are allow, acknowledge, and accept. So allow yourself to grieve the fact that your systems and business model is probably going to look very different than maybe your non-HST friends' private practices. So that's part one. Two is acknowledge that you get to set boundaries and make decisions about your business that are unique to your strengths. And the third piece is to accept support, that you don't have to do this alone. And there are lots of communities out there, and, and we can get into all of these, but those that's just the overview of the three. <laughs>
0: yeah, I love that. I think all those uh, pieces are so important. Um, so, yeah, thinking about allow and allowing yourself to grieve. I don't think people realize that it really is a grieving process of your practice looking so much different than maybe what you imagined or what you thought it would be. Yes,
1: And I think there's a lot of comparisons that we make to our non-HST. Colleagues, and sometimes even other HSTs, right? One of my really good friends is highly sensitive and she is more extroverted than I am. So she can um, just kind of go, go, go a little bit more than me, whereas I get depleted easier. And then it doesn't have to be a comparison. It doesn't have to be, um, oh my gosh, like I'm worse than this person or my practice isn't as good. What it can mean is that, okay, like, things are going to look different for you, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your personal life, however we want to look at it, whether it's the way that we practice with our clients and part of it. So so again, allowing ourselves it's really rather than continuing to kind of push it down and pretending that, oh, everything's okay, or trying to make your practice like everyone else's. It's really allowing yourself to have it come to the surface. Okay. Like I'm actually kind of sad or I'm disappointed or I'm overwhelmed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause a lot of times I know for me going into private practice, I would be playing around with the spreadsheets and seeing like, okay, so if I see, you know, 25 clients a week at this amount and work this many weeks a year, then this is the amount of money I'll make for the year. Uh, but it, it didn't turn out that way. I'm like, there's no way that I could see 25 clients a week, week in, week out with just a few weeks of vacation a year. So that was, it was almost a grieving process for that because it's like, I'm going to have to set up my practice in a different way um, because this isn't sustainable for me.
1: Yes. And I think that there's grief that even though you are now your own boss, that a lot of times, there are many other challenges that pop up. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's funny. I can never think of the word whack-a-mole. So I always would call them <laughs> pop-up otter. I have no idea why, but it's like whack-a-mole, right? So you kind of whack down one thing, but then another challenge pops up. So mm-hmm. while you may not have to worry about a boss who's micromanaging you, or really unrealistic expectations from your agency or from wherever you're working, that there are definitely gonna be additional challenges, challenges such as billing, or especially if you work with insurance, or mm-hmm. having not really having other entities or people to back you up if a client makes a complaint or other things like that. So um, I think that there's kind of a give and take when you become your own boss hmm
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I know that for me, it's probably taken a good three to four years of experiencing all of this and getting clarity and figuring out what is going to be the best, um, you know, structure and systems and organization of my practice that's going to work for me. And it's been ever evolving and changing, but I think you eventually being able to go with the flow and know that you're not going to be able to predict exactly what it's going to look like from the beginning and being okay, adjusting and readjusting and pivoting here and there uh, to get to the place that feels really good. Because I think sometimes we're in such a rush to it's like okay, let me open my practice and it be successful, and then I'll yeah. have arrived. Like that, that's not how it works. You, it's evolving over time, and you adapt it to meet your needs at any
1: given time. Oh, I love that. I mean, the words adapt and pivot just are really resonating with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and this kind of gets into the second part of my model, which is acknowledge that you, as the business owner, get set boundaries and make decisions about your business. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you that was a perfect segue into that. That even though it can be overwhelming with all the choices, <laughs> which we I I I tend to get very overwhelmed, right, with decision mm-hmm. fatigue. But that you ultimately, if you don't want to work four nights a week, you don't have to work four nights mm-hmm. a week. Right. Yeah. If you don't want to accept insurance, you don't have to accept insurance. Mm-hmm. So that ultimately, and yes, there are going to be consequences, whether it's positive consequences or negative or both every action that we make right Mm -hmm. there. And I talk a lot about this, even with my therapy clients, especially this past year with, with COVID is that every decision we make, there is some level of risk Mm -hmm. and it can range from really, really tiny, right. From walking outside your front door. Yeah. Like most likely nothing will happen, but something could to making, I mean, I won't, we won't get political, but <laughs> um, but to something that you know levels of risk where you are actively putting yourself in, in a dangerous situation, mm-hmm. and so I think that we can kind of take that idea and and bring it to us as business owners. Is that you get to make decisions knowing that they're going to be the best decisions with the information you have now, and yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Like when you're talking about the information that you have now, because I, when I started out my practice, um, I worked on Saturdays cause I was still, you know, at an agency job. So I had Saturday appointments available for couples and it worked out really great. And then I was able to add on like a Monday night. So I would mm-hmm. see couples, you know, maybe from 5 PM to sometimes 9 PM. And so that's, that's kind of what it was. And I was excited. I was happy to have a private practice. I didn't really care what hours I worked. I was just happy that, Hey, I'm doing it. I have my own business. And then it got to the point where I had opened up my practice and I'm like, okay, I'll have a couple evenings that I see clients and see them a little bit later and that was fine for the time being cuz like I said it was easier to get those appointments on my schedule and I was really enjoying what I was doing and then maybe a year later I was like you know I don't really want to do evenings anymore I'm I'm getting a little more tired I I can't focus as well in the evening so it'd be better for me and my clients if I don't offer you know the evening appointments anymore so it's been a just a journey and things change and adapt. And now my schedule has gotten really um, condensed to where I don't want to do anything really early in the morning. And I don't want to do anything past like mid afternoon because I want to have my mornings available to not have to set an alarm clock, to have a slow start to my mornings. And I want my evenings available where if anything comes up, I can go do something with my friends or I can just hang out and eat Cheetos on the couch, watching some Netflix, you know, like, I uh, just to have that space to where I have feel like I have more freedom in my mornings and my evenings, and my work can be a little bit more concentrated uh, during the day. So it's interesting to see how that's adapted over time, and it's taken a while to really feel like, yeah, I am the sole person that makes these decisions. Because sometimes we can feel like there's these outside influences, like, oh, if I see kids, I have to have the after school or evening appointments, or if I see couples, I need to work. You you know, nights and weekends. So both of them can come. So there's all of these things where we feel like we really don't have the control, but, uh, you really do. You have a hundred percent control over your schedule. And a lot of times things will work out. Like if, um, if you have a, your specialty and people want to see you, they'll, they'll make it
1: work. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love everything that you just shared, especially eating keto's and Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> um, But that reminds me of when you were talking about starting your mornings later and then ending earlier as well, that that is something that for me, I am like the opposite of an early morning person. I hate mornings. I hate people in the morning. I hate the world in the morning. Anything before 9 or 10 a.m. is Liz is just not with it. And I have felt, I mean, I think in our society, there's this idea that you need to wake up really early and be happy and get everything done and kind of be everything to everyone. And that actually isn't the way that we all work and are wired. And so for me, I realized that I, not I realize I've known this for a long time. I'm finally at the place where I'm able to create a schedule that works for how my body is wired. Mm-hmm. So I don't start seeing clients until Usually 10 a.m. 10 is the earliest, 10, 10 30 or 11. And then sometimes I work nights, um, but I I don't have to stress myself and do 8, 9 a.m. sessions when I'm not going to be the best therapist for my clients.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, You know, basing your schedule based on your energy because Mm -hmm. that's how you're going to be showing up for people and you want to give your full self.
1: Exactly. And I'm, so much more in my zone, late afternoon, evening, than in the morning.
0: So. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, I could go on and on about that, but I won't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the, the last part of this model is accept. And that, I think it could go with acceptance, right? The fact that kind of accepting that this is your, that that you are highly sensitive, that you are wired differently, and accepting support, that you do not have to be in this alone. And that could mean joining my Facebook group and just kind of being a lurker, or you know, posting every once in a while, right? It could be something that's a little more hands off. It could mean finding other colleagues and um, other highly sensitive therapists, and you know, feel free if if you need to get connected, reach out to me, and I will be more than happy to help help find some some people in your area. Um, but really, having at least that one or two. You know, friend, colleague, person who you can just talk to about whether it's clinical stuff or your business or whatever it is, just knowing that you're not in it alone, Mm -hmm. right? Um, This could also mean using, accepting that maybe it's time to automate and systemize some of your things, right? So that you, even though I started doing paper, I started years ago with private practice doing everything paper, that having a system automate just everything from your schedule and reminders to clients to your intake paperwork to notes to all the billing and all of that you know it could be accepting that kind of support as well Mm -hmm. Um, and some cases that means working with someone like you or like me who we can really you know take our expertise and support and be able to to work with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the systems can be a great big help. I mean, it does take the know-how and the time to implement them, but mm-hmm. once they get going and get rolling, like it can, it can be like having your own little assistant, you know, uh, of having yes. all of these, this, uh, technology that automates things and, and it's really nice and really supportive and it does free up time in your schedule.
1: And something that I had started sharing and I would love to shout it from the rooftop, rooftops, is let your systems work harder than you. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take time, like you said, right? It's not like you could just magically, you know, snap your fingers and simple practices all set up for you. It's going to take time. It might take some money on the front end and energy. However, When you have your system set up, it should be like your little mini assistant, right? Where every Mm -hmm. once in a while you do a little check-in and, oh, how's it going? What do we need to shift or change? Oh, that's working. Awesome. Keep going. Right. Mm -hmm. But it should take some time and energy up front and then it's going to save you so much stress down the road. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's been one of the things that has been most helpful is creating creating systems and be- some of the boundaries that we've talked about, and and being able to to realize. And like I said, with a lot of these things that we've talked about today, it's taken me several years to realize and implement, I think I knew them, but there were all these little blocks where you felt like there was all this outside influence, or you had to do something a certain way because of something that someone said, or these assumptions that you're making. But really, uh, I think my biggest message about our conversation today is that you do Uh, you get to make all the decisions. And sometimes as a highly sensitive person, there's a lot of options out there and you can (laughs) easily get overwhelmed. But I think being able to imagine putting blinders on and attuning with your own intuition and what is going to feel best for you. That's what I've had to practice doing. And since I've been able to do that, it has given me so much clarity and I'm not as confused and not as scattered as I was before when I was trying to consider everything and everyone else's opinions. But being able to, yeah, put the blinders on, tune in with myself and build a practice that is exactly the way that I want. And it it really has been very very freeing, very exciting. I find a lot of joy in my work and the people that I work with are, um, it's like, they're just as energized to work with me because I'm very clear in the way that I want my business to run.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. She said so many things that I want to comment <laughs> on, <laughs> but that's one thing is that when, even if we seem have it all together on the outside if we're feeling totally chaotic and cluttered and frazzled on the inside most likely that is going to come out in some way Mm -hmm. whether it's with our family members or friends or with our clients and you as a therapist and business owner deserve to feel free you deserve to have your systems in place and to have like not have to pull your you know boot out of the mud every step. It doesn't have to be that difficult all the time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you actually reminded me of something that, uh, and I can share the link, but I recently did a workshop about email. And I know it's not the most fun or sexy topic of (laughs) organizing your email. However, uh, I did really try to make it engaging. And the, the lens that I see it from, and it doesn't have to just be with email, this could be any of your systems, is that the challenge that a lot of us get into is everything seems urgent and important. Mm-hmm. It's like, people are like, I don't know what to do, because it's all urgent. It's all like at the top of my list. But actually, not everything has to be urgent and important, right? So if we think about this Eisenhower matrix, and again, I'll give you the link so you can see even a little picture of it. Um, but it's, putting things into four quadrants, where it's based on urgency and importance. So the one quadrant is going to be things that are highly important and highly urgent. Then one of them is going to be only important, one is only urgent, and one is neither. So mm-hmm. the things that are not important or not urgent, those are things that you get to delete or cross off or throw away or not have to do anything with, right? And it's really the ones that are urgent and important that you, get, you probably should focus on probably now, right. Anything that has to do with clients, I would say we'll go into that.
0: Quadrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely being able to prioritize. Cause sometimes when things are coming through email, it's uh, just constantly pinging and it's like, Oh, all these things are important. They're all new. They're unread. I,
1: <laughs> and you don't always have to give all of them the same attention. Exactly. So, and again, it doesn't have to be with email. This could be with anything with their practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully that idea, I just, I hope I get some of just the idea is kind of sparking in people's minds like, Oh, okay. It doesn't all have to be done right now because when we think it all has to be done right now. Then usually nothing gets done. And then it just goes into that cycle again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you can think of that's important that you want to leave the audience with today about this topic?
1: Nothing I can think of.
0: Yeah. I think we've covered a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well let people know uh once again how they can uh you know reach out to you, follow you, um connect with you to to get support around some of these uh topics of organizing and thriving.
1: Absolutely. Well, feel free to join my Facebook group Organize and Thrive and you can find me on my website, it's organize-and-thrive.com. Um you can also follow me. I have a Facebook page. I think it's just Organize and Thrive um, Instagram, Organize and Thrive 1. Okay. Follow me and reach out if I can uh, be support. Yeah. Nice. Thanks again for being here today. Thank you.
0: During each episode, I'll be giving you one small takeaway, action step, or mindset shift. I call these acorns. Listen to episode zero to get the scoop on what the acorns are all about. The acorn from this episode is more of a challenge. I would love if you would choose one of the A's that Liz mentioned in our conversation today. They are allow, acknowledge, and accept. Once you've chosen your A, do something in your business or your life that supports you in allowing, acknowledging, or accepting your beautiful HSP self. As I outlined in episode zero, I'll be alternating between a fun fact and what I'm digging segment with each new episode. The fun fact for this episode is that after graduating college, I went back to work at the mall because I couldn't find a job. I had my bright and shiny new business management degree and didn't really know what to do with it. As it turns out, most management positions require experience. Who knew? I ended up getting a job through a temp agency with the state of North Carolina and stayed there for 10 years until I had a sudden realization in my late 20s that I wanted to become a couples therapist. For the longest time, I felt a combination of two things. One was overarching, and it was the sense of being on autopilot, which was truly quite comforting for this Enneagram 9, and the other was much more subtle, but there is a sense of being lost and not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. I tell this story because I can now look back and feel no sense of regret. I used to think, if I only knew what I wanted to be when I grew up earlier, I could be so much further along in my career. Now I realize that this isn't true. I needed every bit of my experience to be where I am now. If you're feeling similar, know that you are on your path and that there are going to be parts of that path that are really boring and other parts that are really challenging. And if you're a fan of the Hobbit, there will be parts of your journey where you feel as though you're in the Mirkwood forest, but trust that you are just where you need to be. It's about the journey and not about the destination. And this statement is a perfect segue into Forest Mind because it truly is all about the journey. A friendly reminder that enrollment is open for Forest Mind, my new comfy, cozy mastermind for private practice introverts and highly sensitive therapists. If you join by December 15th, you'll become a founding member and get $1,200 off your yearly membership. Visit mountainpracticejourneys.com slash forestmind for more information and to apply for your spot in this small, cozy, supportive group. Thank you so much for joining me today on your private practice journey for episode 37. I'll be chatting with Jane Carter of Jane Carter coaching about keeping the spark alive in your money relationship. As a relationship coach, I absolutely loved this topic and there are so many similarities. I hope you'll tune in to hear me geek out over this topic. In the meantime, join me over on Instagram at mountain practice journeys. There's no way you can know how much it means to me that you choose to join me here as I share all things related to private practice. Please subscribe so you don't miss a step. For more information about this episode, visit the show notes page at mountainpracticejourneys.com slash podcast. I truly appreciate you trailblazers. Your mountain is within reach. Journey on.